0: okay are we ready yeah you're gonna do your your intro okay ready yeah do you remember how to do it no we're doing a different one today it's uh-huh. 2018 it's all new <laughs> all new um and brought to you by lacroix <laughs> berry <laughs> flavor, flavor flavor is especially
1: amazing actually they didn't do anything i didn't even get a free can but i can't stop drinking it are you allowed to mention your personal life at all in the uh, podcast like some of the, st- yes. the cool projects you're working T- tell on? Tell me, mixtape. Well, I'm thinking, can, can Queer Eye give us a sponsorship? Can we no, be like a mixtape podcast so. sponsored Although, by Queer Eye for the Straight
0: Guy? What, what is referring to is I'm helping the marketing with Netflix on the reboot of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which is premiering in February on Netflix. and uh, And I'm really excited about the show. And then what was your question? Oh, can they sponsor us? No. Oh. But I have access to the Instagram like I set it all up and made it like Instagram official and Facebook official. So uh, I'll probably do like a maybe I can do like a midnight te- like post or something like that that's like, oh this is an amazing episode of this <laughs> podcast and it's gay guys, Well, one of them's gay. Anyway
1: <laughs> the um, other's uh, just confused, right? <laughs> yeah, the other's <laughs> adrift. Um, real quick. One of the things I did during our uh, break, hiatus, whatever you want to call it, is I went through our reviews mm-hmm. on, um, on uh, iTunes, and it was interesting just reading some of the, the reviews. We don't have that many, but we had a few. And did you like mine? Just kidding! I I think I may have skipped. I skipped the ones that I knew were from people that we knew Mm. because I was like, they're not going to say anything bad. Oh, so there
0: was like real one.
1: Yeah, like somebody. What did say? One of them mentioned that um, they would love to hear more about um, my working at Paisley and what was going on there.
0: All right, so let's do that as we should do. We should
1: do that. Yeah, we should definitely. We're getting
0: really Prince heavy with David Z and all of that. Yeah, we are. But I think I think we could do that. I think that would be good. We just wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about um, what excites us musically, and this is going to be like a bite-sized episode, just briefly
1: talking about Pretty in Pink. Okay. Um, a personal favorite of yours?
0: Yeah. So, no, what I'm excited about that's either I'm re-listening to from the 80s and 90s, or, and we've just rediscovered, or um, what's coming up that we like, and all that kind of thing. Do you want? Why don't you go first, or do you want me to go
1: first? No, I, I want you to go first. I'm going to play off of you right, because because... Cool. Uh, Not as familiar with the Pretty and Pink soundtrack as you are.
0: All right. Well, so here's the thing I am super excited. I don't know if you guys know, but like I'm a huge Bananarama fan. Bananarama has been on tour October through December, all through Europe. Graham Norton today, well, this just, you know, this week between Christmas and New Year's when we're recording this, announced that they were his favorite act that he had on their show. And they're coming to do some select LA dates. Uh, including Los Angeles uh, at the downtown Staples Theater uh, in they're February. Playing, they're playing Staples.
1: Well, it's like the baby Staples. Oh, so um, staples. oh, the one next door, the uh, Nokia. The, Nokia. Yeah, Live.
0: but it's called. I don't know if it's called Nokia anymore. Oh, I think okay. They got lost their naming rights. Anyway, I'm really excited about that, um, and I think what I'm what i what I've been listening to a lot in the past is. Um, you know, well, part of it is I want to talk about Pretty in Pink because it's been such a great segue for my winter listening habits. So we'll get into that in a second. Um, but uh, actually, should I should I just get into that? Yeah, go. All right, cool. So I was going through, I have my huge like wood bin. It's like eight feet tall by like three feet wide and has like all my CDs, which I've never, I'm never giving up. And I was going to bring them to the record store. And I decided with all this weird iCloud stuff and weird viruses, like I'm holding on to my collection. So they're in the garage and I pull out the only thing I haven't uploaded into my own library are my soundtracks. And I dust off the soundtrack to pretty in pink. Um, Pretty in pink was a movie that came out in the eighties. It starred, um, Uh, Molly Ringwald, Andrew McCarthy, and I always forget his name. John Cryer. John Cryer, which I have on interesting. Yeah, interesting John Cryer story. Two and a half Men, and um, and this was in the heyday of uh, the Brat Pack, right? Mm -hmm. And the Brat Pack was all about Sixteen Candles and The Breakfast Club and uh, Saint Elmo's Fire. mm -hmm. And this was sort of a this was a reunion of Andrew McCarthy and Molly Ringwald, who were so successful in.
1: Uh, there was another but what, 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 what I don't they think they together? were I don't think they were ever together oh, was that the, this was the first time they were together yeah I think oh. you're, were you thinking maybe less than zero with Andrew McCartney or something no, you know actually
0: this was the first movie that they were in together, and then they did another one later on where she played this like spaced out weirdo whose name I forget okay, and she talked like this anyway, this was their one of their big movies, so Here's what I remember about seeing it at the time in the 80s is I went out and bought the soundtrack. And I remember being at Cheapo Records on Snelling Avenue in St. Paul, Minnesota. And for $5.99, I got the, which was full price, brand new, the the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. I didn't like the inside because you pulled it out and it was just paper. It wasn't like, you know, when they started to have the lyrics and everything. So it was just about the front and the back. Um, And for whatever reason, this soundtrack has just stayed with me through my life to the point that I had... um, been working at Paramount a few years ago and you got to put in whatever pictures from Paramount movies and of course everyone's like Mission Impossible and this and I'm like Friday the 13th and Pretty in Pink so those were the two that I You had. have an eclectic taste. I do have an eclectic taste, which is, you know, probably why 10 people listen, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here's what I love about the, the Pretty in Pink soundtrack is whenever we're doing this, I'm cognizant. Like, you might like Madonna and then hate the Thompson Twins, like the Cure, but not want to hear about Prince. And, um, and, and the Pretty in Pink soundtrack is really this... this this place that uh, people who were launching their careers got to launch some of their best music, and it became this gateway to the rest of their, uh, their catalog. So, the, premises, uh, the premise of the movie was Andy McDowell, uh, her dad was Harry
1: Dean Stanton, rest in peace, and
0: they lived on the literally,
1: who on used to be Rebecca De Mornay during the making of um, Risky Business. Yeah, wow. crazy. So,
0: um, she literally. Because they have to hammer it into he lives on the wrong side of the tracks. Works at a record store. Bonus points uh, has her best friend Ducky uh, and and Annie Potts. Who you may remember from like designing women. And I'm really just dating myself. Anyway, there's this sort of little people like Annie Potts was the one who was still was out of she was out of high school. So she was like if she had gone to college would have been in college. But she was working at the record store. Or maybe that was Ducky. Anyway, the point is. She falls in love with Andrew McCarthy. Andrew McCarthy is super rich. Um, All of their friends on both sides resent the relationship. James Spader, who you guys now know from the blacklist and has been on many other things. He was like the snarky rich friend and they sabotaged the relationship. It culminates at prom where at first Andrew McCarthy's character had asked her and then unasked her. So Ducky took her and OMD wrote this song that was supposed to be at the end of it. The test audience didn't like the movie. They recut it where the two of them end up back together at the end of the movie and, um, OMD had to like in not too much time come up with a new song that leads off the soundtrack. It's called, if you leave, I think it's, if I had to put one song that I had to like pick on a desert Island that I could listen to over and over and over, it's if you leave by OMD. Are you
1: familiar with it? It is beautiful song. And, um, it's funny that you mentioned desert Island because one thing I remember about that song when I was a kid is in the summer, we would go to raging waters. Um, you're not originally from L.A. You, have you heard of Raging Waters or know what it is? It's a it water is? park. Yeah. It's a water park in San Dimas. And they would have that song just blasting uh, throughout the park all summer. It was literally like if we went three or four times in the summer, it somehow always showed up on the soundtrack for our visit. Uh, it's an awesome song. I have it on many playlists to this day. So what
0: I thought I would do, this is again the bite-sized episode, is just briefly jump into each of the songs from it, why I liked it and how it, uh, and the the person's career and some of the highlights from that, right? So if you leave, we're gonna play a little snippet of that. I just, there's so much longing in that song. It's funny when you go hear music today, 80s music like Howard, um, what's his name, Howard Jones, they, they're able to add on all these different synth levels. It feels so rich. This one feels like that at the time. Just this, but they do it without having layers of synth. It's like the synth plus real instruments plus their voices. I just, great tune for me. What do you want to say about this one?
1: It's a great, uh, kind of love song, longing, Um, not too much, not very slow, though, kind of poppy. It's just a great track. Yeah.
0: So um, OMD had a couple hits before this. They had um, So In Love, and on that album, there was a song called Secret and a few other ones. Um, This song really catapulted them to number one, but then they never really um, they never really did that much
1: after it. For the younger viewers or listeners, uh, let them know what OMD stands for. Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark.
0: Now, the great thing about OMD, because this is really going to be zigzagging through a mini highlight of each of their careers, is that uh, they still release music. So they took a long hiatus. They came out with an album a couple years ago, um, and it has this song called Helen of Troy. it's so good and everything is just super catchy on it. And again, because they couldn't have the deep layers of the keyboard sounds that you get now, it's, it's sort of the accomplishment or the realization of that. So if you haven't checked out, if you like OMD, they're a great one to go check out on iTunes music or Spotify. Some of their more recent collections, the one collection, again, none of it has really been a hit, but if you're a fan, the, the album with Helen of
1: Troy and, um, I, I, this is the one that I highly recommend. I I'm, think there's even one after that. I'm looking through my iPod right now. I have three uh, OMD songs on it. Two mm. of them are "If You Leave." One of them is the extended version, mm. and the other one is "So in Love." "So in Love" is a good song. There was a song called "Secret" that was really good too. That's on the that same album as "So in Love." See, I feel like you need to send me some, you know, like once a week. Just send me stuff I should be listening to. All right, cool. So let's jump to the next one, Suzanne Vega. So dismissive. Okay, cool. No,
0: I said, let's do it. Well, I mean, this is the bite-sized episode of trying to move through quickly. Okay, Suzanne Vega, so go. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Suzanne Vega had one album out before the Pretty in Pink soundtrack. And do you know how, for me anyway, really folky people in the early 80s, after the 70s, it felt less hooky to me. It felt like lots of guitar and a little Joan Baezzi, but... You're like, eh, I don't know if I want to listen to that again. And that was, for me, her first album. Um, This album came out and it has a song called Left of Center. And this song stands alone. It could have been released as a single. Uh, Let's play a snippet of that. thing about uh, uh suzanne vega her career has really zigzagged i don't think that there was a huge place for that kind of folky sound in pop radio and she had been fashioned as a pop star so what happened after this and the success of the soundtrack and the profile it gave her was uh she came out with an album um that had you know my name is luca remember yeah. that my name is luca have that on, my I live on the second floor. <laughs> Anyway, so it had that. And then, um, and then what ended up happening is they took Tom's Diner, which was an acapella song from that album, which is called Solitude Standing, and someone put this um, like remix-y vibe on it. Not like today techno but more um, I don't know, of its era, let's just say. And then Tom's Diner became a hit on its own. I
1: am sitting He it only halfway and before I even argue he is looking out the window at somebody coming
0: in. <laughs> through that she saw a career more in this area of alternative techno dance or whatever and she released this album I think it was called ninety nine Nine degrees or something. I never listened to any of that. The album did well in the alternative set stations, and it was like a nice about face. It extended her career on. After that, she retreated back into the folky thing, but it became more pop. She had a song on Remember the Truth About Cats or Dogs? Yeah, that's the movie with Uma Uma Thurman. Thurman. And she, that Jereen Garofalo Garofalo hires her to be the face of her voice, who she has yeah. like a phone relationship a modern with. A modern-day Cyrano de Berger. Yes. Um, there's an amazing song called Caramel. Oh, love that song. So Caramel, for me, uh, brought her all back. But then it all kind of just fell apart for Suzanne. Um, she's had- <laughs> <laughs> No, she's not listening. I mean, <laughs> sorry, like I'm on. Like I didn't even have any coffee today. I'm just. I like, love. I love this. Super man, this chatty, manic energy that the you've shown man- up I with brought it today. today yeah. You know what I think it is? It's because like I prepared all of this weeks ago, and then I didn't look at it. So I'm like, what's what's firing? What's on the synapses? Let's do this. Boom, boom, pow! Showbiz! Um, <laughs> wow. Breathe. All right, so we're back down on earth. Um, and by the way, I am totally sober. Um, the third, the, the third song was um, J- Jesse Johnson. Johnson. Jesse Johnson. So, Jesse Johnson, huge Minneapolis star. We interviewed David Z, who did his first album. He had a song on there called Get to Know You that was pretty good. <laughs>
1: He almost had a career after this with his Shockadelica album. So the interesting thing about... So he's doing um, the Shockadelica album. Mm-hmm. And Prince finds out about the title and tells him... And writes a song and gives it to him called Shockadelica. And um, Prince tells him, the title is so cool, you have to have a, a song that matches the title. And he's like, no, I don't I don't like the song. So Prince records the song himself, uh, has a record made, and rushes it out to the... Um, to the local radio stations in Minneapolis to have it played. So to get people to think that Jesse Johnson stole the Shockadelica idea from him. That's kind of shady. <laughs> That's a good story. It's, it's Prince being very uh, competitive like, uh, like David So Zee was said. there
0: a Shockadelica song on it?
1: Uh, on Jesse's album? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shockadelica was a B-side to uh, I Believe If I Was Your Girlfriend, part okay. of the Camille Project, all that stuff.
0: So what happened to Jesse Johnson then? Because I felt like after Shaka Delica, I lost track of him.
1: Uh, Jesse Johnson was originally a member of the time. Um, I believe he got back with the time for Graffiti Bridge. Um, Remember how they put the time back together and put them Mm -hmm. in that movie? Um, They were planning, I think, on touring, and he was the first one to kind of leave after the reincarnation of the time. And I don't think he's actually come back to the many reincarnations of the time that have happened since.
0: Cool. So let's move on. The next song is "InExcess." Now, In Excess, inXS had a couple hits before this. They had um, "Don't Change," which is, I think, my favorite inexcess song ever. They have that song they still play at fucking rock stadiums. You know na 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 you know, like when they want to get the crowd all excited, it's an inexcess song.: uh, We're supposed to find it based on your na 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 na. Um, So then they come out with this song, Do What You Do, right? feels very much like what you need from their next album that came out and again i just felt like these guys had hits before we can't credit pretty and pink for launching them but it i just felt like everything on this album felt so cool for me at the time it was in a way for me to touch into pop r&b alternative um what do you call like that like gothy kind of Smiths, Morrissey, Echo and the Bunnyman, bro, new romantic, whatever that is, but like it, it was like it was my safe gateway into that. <laughs> um, so do what you do came out, and then of course we know what you need right immediately after that. Devil inside, um, that whole album for NXS me, which we need band. to do a whole podcast yes. on. You know, And specifically that album. Yes. Um Never Tear Us Apart. It just went on and on and on. Um to uh Suicide Blonde and then their very underrated album, um, what was it called? Welcome to Welcome right. to the Dollhouse. No, that was a movie with that like one girl who wasn't pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to America. Welcome to wherever you are. Oh yeah, that's a great album. Um yeah, so we love In Excess I'm just sort of giving people We're not going in depth like we're going to do on some of the other things here But I just, again, I think this is a great soundtrack This is the I'm appetizer sh- for the season to come Yeah, it, it's just sort of touching on a lot of like really cool things that you can launch from um, Then we have Pretty in Pink Caroline Lawson. <laughs>
1: and dreaming and sleep,
0: which is one of the songs that did already exist, it wasn't made for the album and was used for the title, The Psychedelic First. I'm not a huge Psychedelic First fan, but this sort of rejuvenated their career. And right after it, they had one more hit with Heartbreak Beat, which stands the test of time. Now we flip to side two of the album. Because, ready, this came out when there were albums or LPs. What were they called? LPs. LP. Okay, cool. This is the very new age, not new age, new romantic, gothy. What was it called at the time? People wore army jackets and they listened to Smith songs and smoked closed cigarettes. I don't know. Look, at, look up the Smiths and see what their uh, genre is. Well, the first one was New Order. Here's the thing. New Order is one of those bands that I just fell in love with in the last three years, and yet I've continued to listen to their albums. I saw them at the Hollywood Bowl this fall. They're amazing, and their music actually sounds better because you can do so much more technologically with the sound, right? Um, I am not sure, honestly, if this song, Shell Shock, was their first song I think they had other things out before that again I'm I'm not like the avid fan I am with some other people Mm -hmm. but um I'm always disappointed because they they don't really play it in concert they have so many other songs to play so boo great tune though let's play a second of this Next up, uh, we can skip a couple of these songs. There's Round and Round, which this is the song I always skipped over. Boo. Do you remember this one? Who's, who's the artist on this one? Yeah, Bellio Sum. Yeah. Yeah. Hi and goodbye. <laughs> 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 I wonder what he's up to. And then, remember this? I always felt like this song existed before. Wouldn't it be good to be in your shoes, even if it was for just one day? That's the next song. It's called Wouldn't It Be Good by Nick Kershaw. And it felt like someone else had sung the song,
1: but like, I don't remember. Nick Kershaw had really cool hair from what I remember.
0: Yeah. Then it comes the penultimate moment, which is Bring on the Dancing Horses by Echo and the Bunnymen. Alone, Followed by ever, possibly ever, the best best Smith song ever. Please, please, please let me get what I want this time. <laughs> <laughs> so let's play a quick bit of that. Good times for a change. See the look I've had can make a good man turn back. So please, please, please let me, let me, let me, let me get what I want. Everyone knows who the Smiths are, and you know, they didn't really I don't know if they were even together at this point if it was just Morrissey, but we all know the career Morrissey has had. Lately, I wish he would just be really quiet because he's embarrassing himself. But overall, there are great songs like,
1: um... How Soon the, Is Now.
0: Yeah. What's the one that they did in... You know, Every Day Is Like Sunday. Oh. Oh. Should we play just a second? No, no. We got to focus on The Pretty in Pink. Oh, okay. We're going to well, play a snippet of this one. All right. So we'll play this one. This is the song you play right before you jump off the bridge. <laughs> Um, that, that's pretty much every Smith song. Yes. I know. I've sort of just riffed through all this. Anything you want to talk about any of these artists?
1: No, I just wanted to tell my John Cryer story. Tell it. So I see uh, John Cryer at the Starbucks um, that I go to in the mornings. I've seen him multiple times, and he was always wearing a hat. And then I saw him recently, and he didn't have a hat on. He's bald. And I was like, wait a minute, he's bald? And I looked it up on uh, Google and, yeah, he was wearing, I mean, he readily admits that he wore a hairpiece while he was doing two and a half men. But he looked good.
0: Is he he like hot bald? Huh? Is he like hot bald or is he like.
1: Yeah, he had a close crop, you know, know, and he looks like he's in really good shape. He looks good. He's probably in his 50s now, I would guess, maybe even close to 60. No, but, you know, still holds up. Hell yeah.
0: <laughs> Someone told me I laugh like Betty Rubble and it really hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, I just talked a big bunch of this time with my spouse. No, we'll like, make it up on the next one. Tell time. me, tell me, tell me, tell me. What are you listening to? I talked a little bit about Bananarama. I talked, like, what's your 80s little thing
1: right now? George Michael, probably, because the, um the Listen Without Prejudice special that, uh, that they did on Showtime, the getting the remaster, and then my mom asked me to make her a George Michael mix. So that's, that's kind of been the, uh, the playlist for the last uh, month or so.
0: All right, so if you were to give people one recommendation of an 80s song to listen to and check out, not from the soundtrack, but just anything, that's not George Michael or anything, who would that be? So I'm going to pick... Bananarama on tour, but they're only doing their songs with the original lineup, which brings them pretty much to their greatest hits and nothing after. So there's one or two exceptions, I think. Anyway, they have this amazing album with uh, Move In My Direction and Look On The Floor. And those two songs are amazing. So those would be my recommendations as well as Courtney Love got back together with Hole, and she has a
1: song called "Pacific Coast Highway." Highly recommended. Your turn. New stuff. The new Maroon Five album is really, really good. It's mm. their best album probably since um, probably since "Songs About Jane," but it's really good album. Can we talk uh, talk about that? Because I felt like they kept releasing singles that didn't do
0: well that were good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally they released the song with SZA. Is that how you say your name? Ceza or whatever? I think so. Whatever. We're too old to care about that. Uh, but it was called... Right? That song? So that song was a hit, and then they dropped the album. So I'm curious, because you're saying it's a really good album. Do you think that they added new songs... Like, how does the first three songs that they kept releasing, hoping
1: for a hit, then they have this one and the rest of that you get to listen to. Like, how does it feel on the album? It feels like a complete album as opposed to like uh, just a collection of a bunch of um, radio friendly singles. Everything and, kind of flows together. What's the theme? Whatever Maroon 5 album love? is about heartbreak and love. <laughs> Favorite song? Oh, man. Clo- closure. Oh, that's, is it a sad song? They're all sad. Um, It's got an awesome um, like instrumental part at the end of the song, where it really reminded me of like um, Sign of the Times uh, Prince era kind of instrumentation, like I can never take the place of your man sort of thing. Um, I'll get you a copy of the album. You should listen to it. It's a really good album. I have iTunes music, so I can just download Mm -hmm. it. Excuse me. Okay, so listen to Closure on the way home and think of me. I think of you all the time (laughs) Um, You were mentioning old stuff Okay, so um, It's not really an album But it's a genre That Miami Freestyle stuff What would that be For the listener who doesn't know What Miami Freestyle is Um, What's the SBK Records, right? Was the big oh uh, yeah? They had was it like expose and that whole thing? Yeah, because um, I have a friend Jose. Shout out to Jose, whose poker game I play in, and I made a Laurel Canyon playlist for him because he told me that was the music they listened to when they would cruise Laurel Canyon in the '80s. Oh really? So I mean, it's like Will to Power, Stevie B, Expose.
0: I'm fascinated by your love, boy. So
1: I got a copy of the uh, Linear album. You know, sending all my love, sending all my love to you. Yes, please. You. May I have another? <laughs> so that was like their only hit, but I actually got the entire CD. Yes, I still buy CDs. It's a great album, man. And yeah, all music, I think, gave it four out of five stars. So All right. Well, these are lots of good tips. You people need to go out and listen right now. I'll put the Jose's Laurel Canyon mist on, on our blog. Cool. All
0: right, you guys. So this was our bite-sized episode. Is it still a bite-sized or is it still a big? Is it a big boy? Thank you guys for listening. Sorry we've been, you know, a little MIA, but, you know. We'll, we'll try to be better. S-H-I-T gets real. You know how it is? Yeah. All right. Happy New Year and uh, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. We're out <laughs> with another episode of Mixtape.